Good morning and welcome to the Mr. Irrelevant podcast where we tend to talk about DC sports and actually enjoy it. My name is Jamie Mottram. We're going to talk about the Wizards for the next, I don't know, 15 minutes. Here to do that from Comcast Sportsnet is Chase Hughes. Chase, welcome to the pod. Hey, good morning. Thanks for having me on. Uh, and also, was Comcast Sportsnet, is that like an incomplete, is that incomplete branding? Do I have to say Comcast Sportsnet Mid-Atlantic? <laughs> Uh, well, we do have a few uh, regional branches, so yeah, if you want to be specific, but uh, yeah, I think people, at least in DC, know that that's uh, the Wizards, so I think we're good. <laughs> I feel like I feel like there, there's like a rebranding in order, because it should just be like Comcast Sportsnet DC. Like, nobody's like a mid-Atlantic sports fan. That just doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, we used to cover the Orioles and Ravens, so mm-hmm. we wanted, and Maryland, so we wanted to have it kind of all-encompassing, but uh, now it's it's basically just DC sports. Yeah, I mean, so there's no more O's coverage. There's Terps coverage, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, to a, to a different degree, we mm-hmm. don't have um, an insider anymore. We used to have uh, mm-hmm. insiders covering those teams. No more Ravens. Nope. nope. Okay. All right. And and so I know you're covering the Wizards, but like, how would you describe your your duties? You know, like around the Thanksgiving dinner table, you're like, oh, I'm the Wizards reporter, or like, how do you how do you kind of set yourself up? Uh, I do a lot of different things. Um, I do a lot of writing. Uh, but we have an insider who's kind of our main writer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do a little bit of TV. I'm on TV. Like a, we have a magazine show called Wizard Central that I'm on. I uh, host a podcast uh, myself called Wizards Tip Off. And I do a lot of things behind the scenes uh, with, you know, SEO and uh, video editing and uh, content management and editing and uh, articles and stuff like that. So I'm basically just kind of a multimedia journalist. Well, uh, to be honest, you're overqualified for the position of appearing on this podcast. <laughs> so, uh, and before we started, our our listeners can follow you. Is it at Chase Hughes CSN? Is that right? Yes. On Twitter, correct. at Chase Hughes mm-hmm. CSN. Okay, so let's get started. I, we can get into the nitty gritty of of the contract itself, uh, but Otto Porter re-signing at four years, 106 million. Do you think that's a good let's let's just start like overall in general. Do you think that's a good move by the Wiz? I think it was probably the smart move. Um, you know, I had been debating this a lot with people who cover the Wizards and I was kind of in the in the on the side that maybe they should let him walk and try to maintain long-term financial flexibility. Uh, you know, if you look at next summer, uh there's a lot of good free agents available. Not just guys that um you know, they could maybe would be attainable for them but between LeBron James Paul George Chris Paul and Russell Westbrook it's a very deep class and then if you look at guys who could potentially fit the Wizards uh, DeMarcus Cousins or DeAndre Jordan that's that's very enticing Uh, but I think what the Wizards did is they they took the the safe route by retaining a guy who uh, does have some value is a a good small forward um, they're going to be overpaying him. I think that's pretty obvious for a guy who hasn't even gotten close to making an all-star team. But I think the way you can rationalize it is that it uh, preserves your team in the, the short term. I think next year there's no reason to expect them to be a team that won't get close to 50 games again and, and go back to the playoffs. And then as you've seen uh, around the league, especially this offseason, um, even if you overpay a guy, having an asset that you can trade is very important. Uh, you look at what the Oklahoma City Thunder did with uh, Victor Oladipo. Uh, he was overpaid, uh, but they ended up pulling in Paul George. And then you look at the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves uh, with Zach Levine and uh, Chris Dunn, uh, two 
pretty good players, but not stars, and that netted them uh, Jimmy Butler. So I think um, long term, it still makes sense, even though they can't trade him for a year um, under the new CBA by signing to this deal. They can't trade him for a year, and there is a 15% trade kicker. Um, ultimately, they could. It's smart to hold on to an asset because it could turn into something else. Or if he gets better, then that's fine. And they saw that happen with John Wall and Bradley Beal. They took a leap as soon as they signed him to a contract. So if that happens again, then they'll be a very good shape. Well, you mentioned that he's a an attractive asset. Like in today's NBA, a wing player who can shoot, who can defend pretty well. And, and like Otto Porter's had a great shooting season. So he you know, fits that mold. Uh, there's value in the trade market potentially after year one, but also he just fits this team so well. You know, I mean, alongside Wall and Beal as a, as a running mate, he might not be like the third star on like a super team level, but he fits with Beal and Wall so well that, you, you know, just those three guys having them in the lineup, you look at this as a, you know, mid, mid playoff team, you know, or whatever, it is. you know, like maybe 50 wins, uh, you could say 50 wins, but something in that range. That said, He's gotten better every year. He's 23 now, 24, something like that. Uh, he, t- he just turned 24. Just turned 24. He's gotten better every year. You mentioned Beal and Wall made a post-deal jump. Do you expect that out of Porter? Especially after he already, like last year, it already felt like a pretty big leap. Like, do you think he's got more room to go? Yeah, it's a really good question. I mean, um, you know, with Wall and Beal, I think the ceiling for them was pretty obvious. They still probably haven't even tapped into it. They're just so athletic. Mm-hmm. Otto Porter doesn't necessarily have that athletic potential, um, but I don't think we've seen the max of what he could be playing with these guys on this team. And we saw the jump that he made last year. I think consistency is what will take him to the next level because uh, he was a lot better before the All-Star break than mm-hmm. he was after it. Uh, you know, in January and February, there were months where he shot close to 50% from three. That's really, really good. I mean, he ended up being, uh, I think, fourth in the NBA in three-point percentage at 43.4%. Uh, but there was a brief period there where he was number one in the league. So um, if he can keep that percentage up and shoot at a higher volume, uh, grab more rebounds, maybe get a little bit stronger so he can be a little bit more valuable on defense, then he could definitely take another leap. Um, so I think in the short term, the Wizards um, still appear to be a team on the rise. Now you wonder with um, you know, John Wall's comments recently about how they need a third star if ultimately they won't see Otto Porter as that guy. But, you know, as we just discussed, mm-hmm. he could eventually help you land one of those players. So I think in the short term, uh, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of things that he does. Uh, he's also a very good passer. Um, I, th- I think he's not necessarily great at anything. Maybe th- shooting threes you could argue he's great at, but he's very good at a lot of different things. Looks a lot like Lionel Richie. There's just positives all around okay so i was gonna get to wall in a bit but the the stuff that wall said in the context of you know trading for paul george seemed like it wasn't it wasn't a backhanded compliment it was like a backhand auto porter the way that the way that i read it at least you know i didn't i didn't see like a full interview or get it in context it was just basically like yeah we need a third star and i would love for that to be paul george and Otto's a nice player and all but you know see you buddy that's that's how it right. that's how it read, um, and then you know the backdrop to that is also I might be butchering the details here. Kind of you know correct me if if I'm wrong, but the Wizards offered to extend Wall uh, on the supermax, right? Like as, as mm-hmm. given he was an All NBA guy, they were allowed to do that, and 
uh, I guess he has two years, two seasons remaining on his current deal. This would have extended him. I, I don't know what it was. You probably know the numbers, but that, that offer is still, you know, unsigned. He hasn't taken any action on that. Right. Yeah. If he were to sign this new deal and you're right, it's because he, um, because he was named all NBA, he's in line for more money. He can get an extension four years, 170 million. Yes. It would take him into his early thirties. I think through his age 32 season, uh, and he has indicated that he wants to see what the Wizards' long-term plan is. Um, you know, I think now that they've re-signed Otto Porter, it's pretty clear what their long-term plan is, at least for the next four years. They want it to be John Wall, Bradley Beal, and Otto Porter. So it's up to John Wall if he thinks that's good enough or if he wants to wait and see. He doesn't have to sign the deal uh, this summer. And I, I do have to bring up, uh, you know, right after their they lost to the Celtics, the day after they did um, – exit interviews, lockout, locker room, clean-out day, and that sort of thing. And before it was reported that they were going to try to sign him to a new deal, he was asked about it because, um, you know, All-NBA was a possibility at that point. Mm -hmm. And uh, he said, well, you know, the first thing he said was, well, I know I can make more money down the road. And that's the truth. I mean, you look at what uh, Steph Curry signed this offseason. Uh, he got over $200 million. If John Wall keeps making the All-NBA team, if he bets on himself, then he could make that sort of money. Uh, himself so th that's my expectation honestly if I were to to guess I would guess that he doesn't sign it this offseason that he tries to go for that actual supermax which is over 200 million dollars that's somewhat comforting because I, f I feel like the only person that I've talked to about this and I haven't talked to them about it I've just listened to them talk about it is Bill Simmons and he keeps yeah. he keeps hammering away <laughs> that like Wizards fans should be shitting their pants about John Wall not signing that Supermax so yeah maybe there's nothing to worry about it's a little unsettling well, I, I know uh, yeah that, well hey it's a familiar territory for uh, DC fans between <laughs> Kirk Cousins and right. Bryce Harper and and you know what? If I had to guess, I, I covered Bryce Harper. I haven't covered Kirk Cousins, mm -hmm. but I would guess that all three of those guys end up signing a new deal with their DC team. That would be awesome. I would, I, would, I would like that very much. Um, let's bring it back to Otto. Uh, and actually, our last guest on the pod, Matt Turrell, we were talking about the Kirk Cousins deal. He, he said the Otto Porter deal is like the, the Kirk Cousins deal of, of the NBA or of the Wizards, you know, <laughs> because we talked about it so much, you know, right. this offseason. I think it was a lot more cut and dry with Otto. And it's, you know, a smaller yeah. deal within the context of the, the sport and the franchise compared yeah, to Kirk one, Cousins. One, one quick note on that. I've mm -hmm. had this debate with people because I, I see it like, uh, yes, the Wizards probably had to re-sign Otto Porter. But I feel like it's almost more of a no-brainer for the Redskins just because, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm a Redskins fan, full disclosure. And, you know, he's a quarterback and he's arguably a, at least a fringe top 10 quarterback. That should be a no-brainer. You should pay him whatever he wants. Yeah, I'm with you, man. Um, but with the auto deal, it seemed like a no-brainer, but the the Wizards didn't offer him the max right away. They waited for other teams to step in, most notably the Nets with their offer sheet. And there were certain things that the Wizards had to match that maybe they wouldn't have if they had offered that max initially. I, I think, I mean, cr again, correct me, you know about this better than me, but you mentioned the no-trade clause in year one, uh, or the no-trade in year one. Uh, I mean, that's one of the things that maybe they could have avoided, right? Yeah, there were definitely some things that David Falk, his agent, uh, threw in there. And, uh -huh. you know, I, th I think the, the Wizards let him test free agency, hoping that it wouldn't be a max contract. They yeah. could really see what his value was. But uh, obviously there's, uh, you know, a scarcity of guys who can do what he can and shoot threes at that high of a rate. So mm -hmm. naturally there was going to be some teams out there with enough cap space to offer him a max. And, 
you know, first it was the Sacramento Kings, then they moved on, and then it was the Brooklyn Nets. And, yeah, there are definitely a few things in there. Uh, there's the player option for the fourth year, which I think is kind of funny. I don't see any scenario where Otto Porter, I mean, as good as he is, I don't think he's going to be turning down $28.5 million to mm-hmm. test free agency. That's a <laughs> lot of money. Um, but, hey, if, he keep, if, if he's good enough to do that, then the Wizards might be in a pretty good situation at that point, even though he won't be uh, restricted. Uh, at that point, but certainly the you feel like the price was driven up. Mm-hmm. I mean, although the, we did expect Otto to be uh, uh, looking for the max even before he hit restricted free agency, but they've got the 15% trade kicker, uh, which means that if they trade him, they have to pay uh, him another 15%. Although uh, it depends on the timing of that, whether it would actually kick in, because you're only allowed to get a certain, certain percentage of the salary cap, and those things can actually be uh, negotiated. Um, Chris Paul recently was traded. He had a $3.6 million trade kicker, and that uh, was ultimately uh, brought down to about 600000 So there's definitely a, a few things in there. Nothing major that I think will drastically uh, affect the contract or drastically affect the Wizards. That fourth-year player option would be the whole, only thing. But like I said, I just don't foresee a scenario where Otto Porter's given up close to $30 million. Uh, to test free agency and reload for a bigger contract. Yeah, it made it interesting because you mentioned the Kings made the offer and then I guess spent their money in the in the interim period of of like making the offer and and the Wizards taking action and then the Nets made an offer and I thought maybe the same thing might happen. I mean, if the Nets if the Nets don't make that offer or if or if they end up spending their money on other players, what happens? Like, I mean, because you're at that point you're kind of negotiating against yourself. Right, I, I don't know, like what type of deal, what type of uh, deal the Wizards might have gotten if they were able to avoid the max. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I, I think ultimately that scenario could present itself. There's only so many teams with so much cap room, but mm-hmm. uh, the Utah Jazz were kind of waiting in the shadows because they had left, uh, or they had obviously lost Hayward, Gordon yeah. Hayward, to the in free agency to the Celtics, and uh, they had expressed interest and were hoping to set up a meeting with Otto Porter. But once he agreed to the offer sheet with Brooklyn. Uh, that wasn't um, he wasn't allowed to do that. So basically, it came down to Brooklyn and the Wizards, and the Wizards obviously uh, decided to match and retained him. But I do think there would have been some other teams interested. But it's an interesting uh, dynamic uh, nowadays because you know if you're looking for the max, there there are really only so many teams who can like actually offer that and have the cap room. And um, obviously, the Kings were one of them that had already been exhausted. There's so much weird contract stuff happening in the NBA right now. Like, you've, on the one hand, you've got like these super max contracts where like Harden's getting four years, you know, whatever. Like Curry's got 200 million. Then like a, a player like Patrick Patterson is signing like these tiny contracts that seem like total bargains for contenders, like with Oklahoma City. There's just a, it's just all over the place, and there's even players available still that seem to be you get them relatively cheaply in this environment where so much money is being spent. Yeah, it seems like uh, there's no uh, true middle ground. Mm-hmm. Like the range is so it's so wide. Um, but yeah, it, it's from one extreme to the other. And I thought that Patrick Patterson deal was uh, one of the best contracts uh, we've seen under the new salary cap, even going back to last year. I mean, he's a really good uh, backup big man. I thought uh, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, you know, he, of course he left the Wizards for the Indiana Pacers. I thought that was a pretty good bargain. I think he got about $10.5 million. Mm-hmm. So um, Over two years? Was it two years? Over two, yeah, over two years. Two years, mm-hmm. $21 million. Uh-huh. So I don't think what uh, they got in Otto Porter is a bargain, but um, uh, certainly they, they tried to do that uh, to a certain extent with Jody Meeks and, and Mike Scott. They got some guys who 
uh, you know, didn't have the best seasons last year and are looking to kind of uh, get their careers back on track. So looking at the, okay, enough, enough accounting. <laughs> I think it's really interesting. Like all of like, and actually you're, you're really good at this. Like you could double as an accountant, but the, uh, the, um, you know, looking at the, the roster that returns, you've got the young core, Bill Wall Porter, plus uh, Gortat and Markeef in the starting lineup. And then you've got the bench that was pretty much terrible last year. Uh, Bogdanovich was here in the second half of the season. I'd be a lot more torn up about his departure if he played well in the playoffs. But yeah. <laughs> like that was like that was kind of a bitter taste. I, I didn't really mind seeing him leave. Um, <laughs> so who's I guess who in the rotation is coming back to the bench, and who are the new additions that you expect to not just be on the team but actually be contributing? Well, Kelly Oubre and Jan Mahinmi and Jason Smith will be mm-hmm. back and in the rotation. Uh, Jason Smith, um, you know, if everyone's healthy, doesn't have the most consistent role. Mm-hmm. But, of course, you will definitely see uh, Ubre is the backup small forward and Jan Mahimi is the backup five. Um, I would expect uh, either Jason Smith or Mike Scott to be the backup four. Um, I don't think any of the, the undrafted guys from last summer, Chris McCullough, or he wasn't undrafted, but any of their prospects who are on the summer league team, I don't see them playing their way into the rotation. Mm-hmm. Um, but... And Mike Scott, uh, you know, he's a former UVA star, of course, and uh, has had his career uh, somewhat derailed by injuries, but also off the court issues. But two years ago for the Hawks, he was a really good player on a team that went to the playoffs. Uh, he can hit threes. Uh, he's a pretty good defensive player. And then the backcourt is really what they, uh, the backup guard position is really what they put most of their resources into this offseason. Uh, Tim Frazier. From the New Orleans Pelicans, they traded a second-round pick for him. Uh, he's someone who's very good at passing. Um, isn't the most efficient scorer, but should be able to come in and just competently get them into their sets and run plays. Uh, Jody Meeks will be the backup shooting guard, uh, former Kentucky star, played for Orlando last year. Uh, he's had a lot of injuries. They got him for a pretty cheap deal, um, but he's only averaged 33 games the last three years because of foot injuries. He dislocated his thumb. Uh, but when healthy, he's he's a guy who can shoot over 40% from three. And I think he shot about 47% on corner threes uh, last year. So he's someone who could definitely be the scoring uh, option off the bench. You know, defensively, I know it doesn't sound uh, <laughs> great because they weren't very good defensively last year um, in the second unit. But there is potential there because uh, Jan Mahimi is a, a – uh, definitely a good defensive big man. Uh, we don't. We, wait, wait, I gotta stop. We don't say good things about him on this podcast. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. When when healthy, yeah. that's what he's supposed to be able to do is okay. be a good defensive player. <laughs> okay. So good. In in theory, I should couch that with in theory. But yeah, uh, uh, yeah. I mean, like like the the future uh, trade asset. That no, well, not asset, but future trade asset that will will have to like package with one of our own first rounders. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. To get just to get rid of the deal. Yeah. 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 <laughs> maybe two. Yeah. Maybe two. Maybe two first rounders. Right, right. Yeah, the the Brooklyn Nets uh, just had to take on uh, what Tim, Timothy Mozgov. Uh, he had a very similar deal, and they uh, mm-hmm. got D'Angelo Russell back for that. So that was a big salary dump mm-hmm. for the Lakers. But mm-hmm. uh, Kelly Oubre is supposed to be a good defensive player too. Uh, you know, when he when his mind is in the right place, he can be good defensively. So I think mm-hmm. Jody Meeks is the offensive punch in that second unit. And it's not like they added any you know major additions to their bench, but. If Jan Mahinmi's healthy, I think that's – if he's healthy, uh, that'll be the big key to them having a better bench. But certainly it's not like they 
completely revamped it to a degree where you're like, wow, this is definitely going to be a great bed. Uh, it's going to depend on health and then specifically with Mahini. So, yeah, I mean, it's basically like if we, we need, we need the starters to stay healthy <laughs> and if they, right. if they stay healthy, we're probably going to have a similar season as last year. Like that's like in, in broad strokes, that sounds like that's the case. Right. Um, I think you might've written about this or maybe I saw it from, from you on Twitter. Mike Scott, the new edition has like an inordinate number of emoji tattoos. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Uh, first of all, he's got a great nickname, uh, Mike Scott. Uh, so he's called the Threegional Manager, which is an ode to the office, which I thought was great. That's fantastic. Uh, and then, yeah. And then all up and down his arms are emojis. I mean, like dozens of them, not like one smiley face on his arm. Like his arms are completely covered in emojis. And uh, I discovered that because I was looking for a picture for him on uh, – on on the wire you know u.s press wire and it was him at media day last year i guess he must have gotten them you know before the 2016 season or something like that and there's just a picture of him with just no expression on his face and just emojis all over him so um we're definitely gonna have to get the story about that um he's going he's oh, wait, wait this hasn't co- been reported like he hasn't he hasn't talked about the emoji tattoos i'm, I'm sure he has i, I didn't do that uh <laughs> deep of a dive but i'm gonna have to ask him about it myself uh but yeah it was funny uh we have a graphics guy at csn and he made a it's i guess there's some program where you can run it through where it's kind of like a painting of him and it's all of emojis so uh i'm assuming the guy's got a pretty good sense of humor if he's got emojis all over him well yeah i mean i i I appreciate it. Uh, it's interesting, but as someone I wonder who how like, that will age. By sometimes, the way. I well, not not well. I'm yeah. conflicted. I'm conflicted about using emojis in texts, you know, or right. tweets. <laughs> Never mind, like getting them permanently tattooed on my body. Um, yeah, I, guess, I guess they must be cool. I mean, I guess they must be cool to use if this guy's got them on his arms. So. You know, I took my kids to a movie the other day, and one of the trailers was for the Emoji movie. And I got to right. say, it didn't look bad. It actually looked like a good kid's movie. Um, yeah. And the voice work was done by, I'm forgetting the actor. TJ, TJ, TJ Miller. Miller, right? Yeah, yeah. TJ Miller. Yeah, he's pretty yeah. funny. Yeah, like actually looked like a decent movie. Um, right. Uh, one quick question. The simple answer could be no. I think it is. Is there any reason to watch Wizards Summer League Basketball? Oh man, this is definitely one of the leanest years in terms of their roster. <laughs> there's uh there's no one who could be a, a future star. Um, you know, you've got guys that are on the team, on the Wizards team. Uh, Michael Young has a two-way contract. Daniel Ochefu, um, Chris McCullough, and Sheldon Mack. Those are all guys who are on the roster that will be back in training camp and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the one guy who who really intri- or there's two guys who really intrigue me, and they actually didn't get much playing time at all in game one. Um, which is kind of unfortunate. They have a guy named Marcus Keene, who's 5'9", who led the nation in scoring last year in college. He was at Central Michigan. He's 5'9", and he scored 30 points a game. So um, he should be pretty exciting to watch once he gets on the court, but he didn't play a single minute. Uh, the other guy... Is, 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 he, is, he, is he left-handed? Is he, is no, he like, can left-handed. we fire up the Isaiah Thomas comparisons? <laughs> well, you can because he said that Isaiah Thomas is basically the reason why he left school. He said he was really honest with us. He gave us three reasons at his workout. He said, Isaiah Thomas made it cool to be short again. So he's like, all right, this is the time I got to leave. <laughs> he said he scored 30 points and he didn't want to go through another season where everyone's asking him why he's not scoring 30 points because he got exactly 30 points. It's 30.0. So this guy's actually then, pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. And then the, the third reason I thought was really great or honest, at least, he said, yeah, my coach, they didn't uh, – 
schedule enough non-conference games. So I, I just left school, you know, like I don't have anything to prove against, you know, mm. uh, mm-hmm. mid majors. So uh, he should be exciting to watch. And then they got a guy from uh, Florida who went undrafted, who was projected to be a second round pick. His name's Devin Robinson. He's uh he's actually a Virginia native, but he's six, eight. He's got a seven, one wingspan and a 41 inch vertical uh, draft express. They have these charts that compare uh, the NBA combine measurements over the years. And there's only like four or five guys over six or six, seven or taller who've uh, had that high of a vertical leap. And like Vince Carter is one of them. And like Ben Simmons is another. So there's like five of them and Devin Robinson's one of them. So I think eventually he's going to throw down a dunk. That's going to be pretty exciting. So he's a reason to watch. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just follow you on Twitter and I bet you'll like share the Comcast video of the dunk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, Marcus Keen sounds interesting. I might, I might watch for that. I so far I've been watching. I watched some of the Celtics Lakers, and that was awesome because it was like Lonzo Ball oh, yeah, and Jason Jason Tatum head to head. I'm scared shitless of Jason Tatum, by the way. Like being added to the yeah. Celtics mix, he looks awesome. I mean, the summer the summer league in general is is awesome. I love mm-hmm. it. I DVR a, a lot of the games. Like, and the Wizards they do against Miami. They'll play a first round pick, Bam uh, Adebayo. I think his name is from Kentucky. Kentucky. Then yep. mm-hmm. their third they play five games, but their third game uh, they'll play Lori Markinen of the Bulls. So mm-hmm. you'll see them go up against some top picks pretty much every game. And if they get to the playoffs, then they could, you know, face off against a Tatum or a ball or, um, um, you know, say a, a De'Aaron Fox of the Sacramento Kings. Oh uh, yeah. He's nasty. Um, okay. <laughs> last thing for you. Just, I think we might've gone back and forth on this. Not really. It wasn't like a contentious thing, but about, uh, I saw a video of you on Comcast saying something about how if Paul George landed on the wizards. He would be the best player on the team. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> have you, have you said that to John Wall? And if so, what was his response? <laughs> <laughs> I haven't said that to John Wall, but uh, yeah, I wonder how he would respond. He probably wouldn't like it. Uh, he's someone who likes to consider himself as not only the best point guard in the NBA, but I think any of those stars, if you ask him who's the best player in the NBA, he'd probably say himself. Um, but uh, I think he, I think he would, he'd probably in his heart of hearts agree. I mean, they're both right around the same range. I think I might've responded to you. You know, they're both probably top 10 players, maybe the ninth and 10th best player in the league. Maybe John Wall is, or one of them, if they're, you know, in a, a hot streak, you could say is a little bit higher. But I, I think they're in the same uh, category. But mm-hmm. I think Paul George is, is just more accomplished. I mean, he's uh, been all defensive team as many times as he has, all NBA, I think, three times. Uh, you know, was one of the best players on the, the Olympic team. Um, so I, I personally p- would put him a little bit higher. Uh, I think he's um, elite on both ends of the floor for his position. Um, but it, it's a good argument. So you, you would disagree. You would say that John Wall's better than Paul George? I'm a, I'm a total homer, you know? Yeah. Like, I just feel like this coming off the season that Wall just had where he was, you know, not top five, but definitely like top ten MVP. And, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. I just thought he had a great year. He's He's – you know, stayed healthy and improving for a while. Uh, whatever. They're in the same, they're in the same uh, category though. I really, I just wanted to bring it up in the hopes yeah. that it makes its way to John Wall's ears. It gives him a little more motivation. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe there's like a confrontation between you two. You could get your name yeah. out there. I'm just trying right, to help right, you out. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, thanks for joining us, man. I hope we, we can do it again sometime when there's more wizard stuff to talk about. Uh, Absolutely. Our readers can follow you on Twitter uh, at Chase Hughes CSN. Sounds like uh, there's a whole trove of Wizards coverage beyond that handle, whether it's on 
the Comcast site or, or, you know, your own Wizards podcast. Um, yeah, if they want analysis of the uh, Wizards Summer League bench, I'm your guy. <laughs> and uh, listeners, if you've made it this far, help me out by subscribing to the Mr. Relevant podcast, either here on Bumpers or iTunes, Stitcher, uh, wherever podcasts are available. Uh, and yeah, let's celebrate the return of Otto Porter. Four more years. He ain't going nowhere. <laughs>